plenty still to get to this hour, including Mark Duffield from the West from Code Sports. Talk a little bit of AFL, to talk a little bit of what's happening in the West as well as what's happening everywhere else in the country with everyone back at training and there's a lot to get to. Mark Duffield joins us. Welcome to you, Mark. Great to have you back on. G'day, Dwayne. Great to be on. You've been writing a fair bit for Code Sports in recent times. Uh, obviously, you've focused fairly heavily on the West. What's your read on the West Coast Eagles? What's our expectation for the West Coast Eagles this coming season? Well, I think it's going to be a tough year and I think that's it's interesting. Their approach for the last few years, probably for a couple of years too long, has been that if they could stand their senior players up, they could still compete very well. Um, and they couldn't stand them up um, often enough or well enough to compete at all. So the the focus this year has to be on the development of youngsters. And uh, obviously that means getting Harley Reid for his first season, getting him better down into a position um, and, and seeing further development of guys like Ruben Jinby and Elijah Hewitt. And I think also probably... They'd love to play well enough and compete well enough for Oscar Allen to emerge as the key forward we think he all could be, which we all think he could be, which is, you know, someone akin to a Charlie Kernow. And if they could get that out of the year, win their six or seven games, regardless of their ladder position, I think they will uh, they will give the season a bit of a tick. So how, how well does Adam Simpson have to go, do you think, this year for, for the heat to be off him at least? Because the heat's been fairly intense. I mean, I don't know why they continued to wish for something that was unlikely, and that is all their senior players standing up. We could, we could argue for an hour as to what the West Coast Eagles should have done better. Let's just draw a line and move on from that. Um, how does Adam Simpson keep the heat off? What's his performance have to be this year? Well, you'd like to see them win six or seven. You'd like to see them compete far more strongly, and you would like to see him show that he can develop young players. I think that's going to be a key for Adam because I, I think... One of the backstories at West Coast is there's a strong feeling that Adam got far too enamoured with his senior players and that they were able to take liberties and it came at the expense of the development of a younger group of players. So he really needs to show that he can bring a group of young players forward. Otherwise, change will be absolutely necessary regardless of the win-loss. So, yeah, I think that's going to be key. It's, it's almost going to be, regardless of how many they win, how their young players are going and what the feedback on how they're being teach, uh, taught and coached by Adam is like from them to the, the key people at the club. That, that's going to be the key to his surviving, I think. It feels like they're backing him and that they're going to back him regardless, you know, through to the end of the year and whatever happens, happens. What about down the road at Fremantle, Justin Longmuir? Do you, do you see any more heat on him than he's on Adam Simpson? I think they're both going to be under pressure. Play, I think. <laughs> uh, Simo, Simo's won five of his last 45. And uh, yeah. it basically came down to a decision the board had to make at the end of last year as to whether it was him or Trevor Nisbet to go, I think. So, yeah, I think he's under significant heat. But, yeah, I think Justin Longmuir's under heat, and he should be too. It's, it's um, you know, what's he been there? He's been there four years. He's played finals once. They stepped back last year. There are two different views on that, that, you know, with the departures and Monday's retirement, they got young and small quickly and it was too quick for them to cope with and it took them a while to regroup and find their feet in the season and they just left themselves too big a hill to climb. I think there are some other issues there. Like I've just written a piece of code actually which will go up on the website soon just asking the question that when they got flogged at clearances like they did in those first seven games when they slumped to two and five, how did three of the top four and the best in Ferris end up being midfielders and ruckmen? Um, they got ceremonially mm. clobbered in those first couple of months of the AFL season, out of the midfield, you know, big clearance numbers against them, 
that led to a couple of the upsets, you know, against North Melbourne, against St Kilda. And that was really what set them back on the back foot. So I, I think they need, given that they've invested so much money and so much contract in their ruck stocks, and supposedly you would hope out of that comes the best one-two ruck punch in the AFL with Sean Darcy and Luke Jackson, you'd hope the flow on from that is that they dominate the clearances, dominate the midfield, and um, and feed their forwards a lot better than they did um, in their 10-13 season in 2023. Yeah, when you compare it, I mean, the West Coast Eagles won two games in 2022. They won three games last year, so they've been horrible for a couple of years. They've been at rock bottom, and it's hard to get yourself out of rock bottom. But Fremantle made the finals the year before last, so they've gone from finalists to, well, 14th. They finished this this last year gone with 10 wins. So, you know, that's just, it's essentially bad planning, isn't it, around your list that sees you drop away when you're expected to make the finals? Or is it the coaching or is it the development? I mean, which, are the, which pieces of the puzzle have let them down the most? Well, I'm big on the... the the notion that their midfield got too small with David Mundy's retirement. And I'm not so mm. fussed about David Mundy's retirement, but I think the decision to let Blake Akers go was a big blue. They could have kept him cheap. He's a big body. He's a strong runner. Uh, while he wouldn't have been in the stoppages, he would have been on the periphery of the stoppages. The number of times in that first two months that Fremantle had the opportunity to get first possession and a clearance and just coughed up the ball for no good reason at stoppages was quite remarkable. Um, so they didn't just fail the stat test in that first two months. They failed the eye test as well, you know, when you're watching the game. Their midfielders just weren't physically standing up to the pressure. They were too small. They were pushed around. Then they were faced with, how do we find solutions? They thought that Jager O'Meara would replace Mundy in the structure. He replaced Will Brody in the structure. And Will Brody, of course, is one of their big-bodied mids who had played well in 2022. Um, and, of course, they couldn't call on Nathan Fyre because he had the foot issues and ended up with the stress fracture in the foot. So... Um, I, I think that getting Hayden Young into the midfield late in the season was the start of the solution. And I think if Fife holds up, as he has done so far in the preseason, that will be part of the solution as well. Get some bigger bodies in there, be able to hold your own in the, in the fierce physical battle that goes, goes on in there. And, and I think a lot will flow from that. They'll give their forwards better look and uh, better looks and they'll defend better. Because they had a big opportunity, really, didn't they, with the West Coast... To- being down so far, if Fremantle had a really successful couple of years, made a grand final, then all of a sudden, well, I'm not sure what the cut-through is like in comparison, Fremantle, the West Coast Eagles. Maybe you're about to tell me that in your lifetime they'll never become the number one team in the West, but is there a chance that they could ever be the number one team in the West? I I don't think so. I think West Coast are massive. Like I think people on the East Coast underestimate just how big West Coast are um, because they don't play at an MCG and they don't see them load up the stadium like a Collingwood or a Richmond do. Mm. There's a there's an assumption that they're smaller. They're not. Their financials will tell you that. Um, they're a massive, massive club. But I think what Fremantle can do is get to a stage where they're an 80,000-member club, um, you know, somewhere in the realm of someone like a Hawthorne in Melbourne. And if you get to that stage, you don't have to be any bigger. You'll be fully resourced. Um, all your fans will be able to hold their own when they go out to, you know, have the rubbish talk your fans have shouting at mm. each other in pubs and things about how their team's going. Um, and, and I think they'll be they'll be fine. So you're right. It's a massive opportunity missed for Freo, I think, in 2023. They could have really, you know, I think they got to 62,000 members. They probably could have climbed to 65 or even 70 and been well on the way to 
being able to stand, you know, if not eye to eye with West Coast, certainly toe to toe and, and not take a backward step. Have you been to training? Uh, what's been gleaned from training so far? Both teams are back at action and um, everyone's watching Harley Reid. I understand that there was pitches in that five taking a hanger, which is good news. Where's he going to play? What have you been able to get so far from training? So I've only just started working in after holiday, so I've been to one West Coast yep. session. I certainly saw the Nathan Fife hanger over Neil Erasmus at their session. Um, the standout at West Coast training is Ruben Jindy, mate. <laughs> like you were a big bloke, Wayne, but this kid, for a second-year midfielder, and it's just his natural frame, he is massive. He's huge, and he's an elite runner. Um, and you'd think he's at least going to develop into a player like Collingwood's Jack Crisp, at least. That relentless running left-footed mid that you know doesn't get knocked off the ball, that other um, teams' mids don't like running into. He's going to be at least that good, I think. And um, so, yeah, there's been a lot of hype about Harley Reid. It's almost like he's got naming rights to the back page of the paper um, <laughs> since his arrival um, last year. And uh, But I think Jindy and Oscar Allen, I think, will be just as important in terms of their young stocks. If they come on like we think they can, and they can bed Harley Reid down, get him through the season um, uninjured, um, get him acquainted to what the AFL environment looks like, and he shows a fair bit as we think he will, I think they'll be that will be you know a long way to being a successful season for them. What about the rest of Australia, Mark? What are you seeing might unfold this year trend-wise? Which teams do you like the look of? Which do you think might slide? Um, look, I think I suspect Father Time is going to get the great teams, the great dynasties. Um, you know, I think it's already gotten Geelong a little bit. It's already gotten. Richmond a little bit, you know, this is a mistake West Coast made, isn't it? They thought they could just mm. push on for another season or two and nothing bad would happen and it blew up in their face. Um, so I think, yeah, those teams will struggle. It, it's hard to not think that Collingwood is going to be um, very, very hard to beat. I love the way they play. Um, I love the way they take the game on. And I love the way that Craig McRae has basically just looked at what the AFL is trying to do with the game, with ball movement, um, and, and higher scoring and making the game more high octane and, and decided to swim downstream with it instead of doing what a lot of coaches try to do, which is fight against it and try and defend against it. And I think that's fantastic and it's a credit to him. And I think that is one of the reasons why they've made such progress quickly. And, and then you've got to think Carlton are going to be pretty good. You've got to think Brisbane aren't going to be any weaker than they were last year. Um, so there's going to be a fair bit of competition for spots in the top four, and I suspect for spots in the bottom end of the eight as well, because i tell you who's finished the year I really like was GWS. I, I reckon GWS's performance against Collingwood in the preliminary final, when you think that the AFL handed them a schedule which put them only four days between plane flights, between their semi-final win and the flight to Melbourne to play Collingwood, that performance by GWS was almost the performance of the finals, I reckon. They were desperately unlucky no, a, to win it. And I'm liking like the that. fact that I think I think the best chance is to be at an attacking team. I like the fact that the AFL has evolved to... I mean, the radical thing I think you're going to have to do is be even more creative in your attack than other teams. There might be some coaches out there who think, well, for the last 100 years in sport, the best defence has ended up winning. But uh, the AFL is a bit of a different beast to other sports, and I like the fact that the tinkering with the rules has maybe made it such that you do have to be more attacking in our sport 
than maybe some of the other sports that can be stifled when it comes to getting your defence right? Yeah, there's a lot of space. And don't forget, we're only really 20 years into footballers going full-time and being able to hone and Mm. develop their skills to a level they weren't able to previously. So their ability to shift the ball and take on um, the pressure and take on zone and press defences is getting enhanced every year. It's a bit like when they gave tennis players great, you know, big rackets, isn't it? You couldn't play serve yeah. volley tennis anymore because they, they could hit it past you. And I think there's a bit of that happening in the AFL. And I think the game, unlike tennis, I would say, with the death of serve volley tennis, I think the game is better for it with the, the ball on the move all the time and, uh, um, and the game being played at such great speed. It's, it's, it's terrific to watch, and it sets us apart, I think, from all the other sports in the world. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great watch at the moment. Mark, great to have a chat to you. Really appreciate your time, and we can read more of your stuff at Code Sports. Just jump online. Uh, yeah, that's right. I'm back online now, so there'll be uh, hopefully later today a piece on Fremantle and a piece on you, West Coast CEO Don Pike. So get on there and have a, have a look at those.